Hi, my name is Ava, and this is your Truth For Your 20s podcast with Mama. Peace. If you are in your 20s hoping there is more to life than boys and Bacardi, you are in the right place. Katie Ballmer has been a keynote speaker to over 60 colleges nationwide, encouraging 20-somethings to realize their worth, find their calling, and not date their bags. But seriously, Katie is an author, viral TikTok creator, wife, mom of two girls, and your adopted aunt that you never knew how bad you needed. Ready to have some real conversation tackling the hottest topics? This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Hello, this is Katie Bulmer, and this is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. It is a brand new year and a brand new season of the podcast, and I am just so thankful for you. If you are just tuning in, we are trying to reach a goal of 250 reviews on iTunes. I would love if you would just hit pause real quick and go leave a review. And if so, I hope to read your review on the podcast next week like I'm about to do with this review. This was left on December 12th. It says, beautiful, informative, and fun to listen to. I've gotten so much out of this podcast. I just keep listening and getting her guest books and growing more as a person. I'm really grateful for Katie's message, taking our place as daughters of the king and not settling for any less. Yeah, sister. I'm grateful for the brave women on her show that have shared their breakup stories and make me feel like I'm not alone in my heartache. And for the other guests she's had on who inspire hope and encourage a ton of motivation. Love that review. Thank you for all of you who take time to do that. I am so grateful to share this work with you. It's just a blessing that you tune in and listen and share it with your friends. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I am so, so excited. I adore Katie. I adore what she's doing. I think that it's so important and there's so much purpose and meaning behind it. So I'm very honored to be here. Oh, you're the best. Well, Nicole. Okay. So obviously follow you on social media. We're TikTok friends, all the good stuff. You have quite the story. Um, I just want to dive in. Like maybe if you could just bring us to actually let's who you are now and then let's go to baby Nicole. So who who is baby who okay. is current Nicole? Current Nicole is quite the mess. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> a little bit. A work in progress. Of um course. I am so I'm 23, almost 24. Um I am a believer. I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. I live for the Lord. Um not perfect, but um he is quite literally everything to me, my rock and really the reason I'm here today. I am a pretty simple gal. I work at a shoe store. I do social media and I actually just started a podcast on the side that I'm pretty excited about called Elephants in the Room. And yeah, I have a really sweet boyfriend. I love to cook. I love to do fun things. Yeah, I guess that kind of sums me up. Uh, no, yeah, and boyfriend's kind of famous, so there's that. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's pretty cool. He's pretty talented. <laughs> he's a singer-songwriter, and I love y'all's adorable couple. It's just, I always say young Jesus-loving couples are like the chai tea to my latte. Like, I just love it. And I remember here in Chattanooga cheering you guys on. So love you guys. All right. So okay. that's what you're up to now. I didn't know you worked at a shoe store. That's so fun. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot to getting to where you are now and a lot of past things you walk through. So can you bring us just to baby Nicole and just some childhood stuff and where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's a long story. It's always hard. I always try to be like, okay, how can I make this not yeah. like 10 hours long? Like, let me think here Um, to kind of sum it up and to give you guys a little bit of insight into baby Nicole and kind of my walk through life. I grew up in Utah. I was born in Utah and I have four sisters, one brother, one is a half sister, one is a half brother. 
to say I have a little bit of a unconventional upbringing um, would kind of hit the nail on the head. I grew up with um, two drug addicts as parents and um, just grew up with a lot of dysfunction, you know, a lot of emotional abuse and neglect and just a lot of a lot of hard things and lived with family on and off for a long time and was in foster care for a short time. Um, so all the nine yards as far as childhood, um, I was actually really, really, really bullied growing up too. I was very overweight growing up. And so um, it just wasn't the best time when I was a kid. But you know, at the time, I was very unaware. And so to me, it was very normal. I didn't really, you know, understand what was going on. And so that's kind of a little bit into my upbringing, um, missed a lot of school, was in truancy court all the time, all the things. And I really, as a kid, my like main priority was to be normal. I really wanted to be normal and I really wanted to fit in. So I would say 90% of the people in my everyday life had no idea what was going on, had no idea. My circumstances, I used to, I was so embarrassed of, you know, living in a, what what would be the right word? I We didn't have a lot of money growing up. And I was so embarrassed of that, that I used to make my mom drop me off like three blocks away from school because I didn't want people to see my car, which obviously now I'm so grateful that we even had a car and that was amazing. But at the time, I really just cared about what people thought of me and I really wanted to be normal. And I think that was how I coped with what was going on in my life. So like I was on a soccer team and I got good grades and like I had normal friends, you know, and I tried to do everything I could to kind of fit this mold of this normal kid. And so that was pretty tough, but that was kind of how I coped with it. And they always say that kids with traumatic childhoods, they either like fall into the same habits that their family does or that their parents do, or they go like the complete opposite. And I was someone that with the complete opposite because I did not want to end up like my parents because I saw the, you know, the effects of that. And so I really tried to be as good as I could. I never drank. I never smoked. I never, you know, had sex. I never did anything as a kid. I was very, I don't know if I can say that on here. Hopefully I can say that. Yes, of course. But but I never, you know, I tried everything I could to be on the straight and narrow to avoid ever falling into any of those things that, you know, my childhood involved. Fast forward, I met my now ex-husband at the age of 17. Well, I actually met him when I was 14, but we actually like officially started having a relationship when I was 17. Um, He actually kind of ironic. He was a singer as well as my now current boyfriend um, and had a little bit of a social following. He was a Viner, so I'd known him back from there and um, had seen him on Vine and had gone to a couple of his concerts. And long story short, when I was finally of age and and that he asked me on a date and the rest is kind of history it was like a whirlwind love just like the like the kind of love story you see in movies like it was like too good to be true like so perfect like he just like swept me off my feet and was like everything to me he just meant the world to me and we just fell in love and we we dated for about a year And we got engaged and then we got married pretty quickly shortly after. And then we were married for about, legally, we were married for about three years, but we were actually probably married for about 
a year and a half. We separated at like eight months in and then we're on and off separated for kind of the remainder of the time. And then the last couple months was kind of just me hanging on, trying to hold out for hope for said marriage to work. Sure. Obviously said marriage did not work out. That was super challenging. And kind of amidst all of that, the one point I didn't add in is I grew up LDS. I grew up Mormon. So I actually got married in the temple. Um, So I was very devoted to that religion and very devoted to that lifestyle. He was as well. So we got married in the temple together. And then kind of through my divorce slash separation slash whole situation is when I had started to question my religion and question the faith that I was in um, and had kind of started to seek outward to seek the truth and to seek what was real. And I wasn't sure what I believed in at the time. And I wasn't sure if I was ever going to walk away from the church because it was always such a comfort to me in my life. Um, It was a source of stability and all that I wanted in my life ever was stability. That's all I've ever wanted. And um, I think a lot of that results from my abandonment issues from my childhood and whatnot. So it was really scary, but I had started to question the faith and kind of amidst that, I had a Christian boss at the time who had encouraged me to come to his church. And I was very like, no, I'm not going to come. Like, no, thank you. (laughs) I appreciate it. I'm a Christian too. And finally, I ended up going because there was someone in his church who had a similar situation to me with their marriage. And I kind of leaned on that person for a little bit of support. So I ended up saying, do you know what? I'll just try it out. I'll go. And I remember when I walked up, I, to be completely honest, I was scared of the church because I was kind of always taught that crosses weren't something that we should wear or represent. Um, and so the church had a ton of crosses everywhere. And I looked at it and I said, Oh gosh, I don't know about this. I was very nervous. Um, and I walked in right after I had gone to my Mormon church service and I was wearing like high heels and a dress and everyone was like all dressed casually. I was like, Oh my goodness. Um, and I walked in and I remember I just felt this instant like peace and, um, it was during worship and I just saw all these people around me worshiping God. And I was like, wait, maybe, maybe these people do love God. Like maybe these people don't have it wrong. Like I expected something scary and it was, it wasn't. And I remember the first sermon was really amazing. And I was like, wow, that was like really great. He just like opened his Bible and read from it and, you know, talked about it. And so at that church service, long story short, I get a Bible. I take that Bible home with me. This is amidst separation all of that. I was in probably the rock bottom of my life. I was depressed. I was sad. I was isolated. I was mentally very unwell. I was not in a good place. And I took that Bible home with me. And even though the Mormon faith does believe in the Bible, I had never really, really read the Bible fully. And I'd never really put it at my number one because the Book of Mormon kind of always came before that. So during that really isolated sad time is when I started to read my Bible. And I remember I was like, it felt like I was a kid learning about Jesus. And I remember like really for the first time in my life, like feeling like I had a relationship with God. When in the religion that I grew up in, I saw God as a vending machine 
in a sense where like I would pray to him and be like, hey, like, God, can you help me with this? Or like, can you give me this? Or I would pray to him out of fear, being like, oh, I'm such a sinner and I'm not good enough. And, um, you know, I was I was I feared God in the sense where he felt like some big mystical guy, judge, boss in the sky. Um, or I looked at him as a vending machine. And then I feel like when I really started to read the Bible, I started to see Jesus for who he truly was. So to wrap that all into everything, I kind of amidst separation and divorce started to develop a relationship with Jesus. And I really felt led to stay in my marriage and to fight and to hold on for hope when really there was no reason to have any hope. And my, you know, to put it in the best way, I wasn't it takes two people to be committed for a marriage and um, there wasn't commitment on the other end. And so, you know, there really was not a reason to have hope, but I felt like I had the hope of Jesus in, in my marriage and I believe that he could redeem it. And I believe that he could, you know, change my husband's heart. And when that didn't happen, it was really challenging because I remember being really mad at God. And being like, why would you, you know, lead me to stay in this situation for another, you know, two years or however long it was for me to just get my heart shattered, you know? Um, But for me, it was really important to walk away from my marriage biblically. Um, So even though it was really hard to go through that last section Um, I know now and I look back now and I'm so grateful because I know that I did everything that I possibly could could to make it work and to fight. And, you know, I, I really wanted it more than anything. Like I, I loved my, my ex-husband so much. Like I can't even put it into words. I would have done anything for that marriage to work, but it, it made me really frustrated at God. And, um, kind of question him. So it's kind of a weird, messy situation, but I had kind of developed a relationship with Jesus, but I was still kind of Mormon and hadn't really left the faith. But I also was like, okay, I believe in the Bible, but then my faith was being tested. So it was kind of this whole sticky situation. But through that whole situation, I, you know, developed a relationship with Jesus. I gave my heart to Jesus and surrendered my life to him. And so he would call me a born again. And through that, i realize, okay, I fully believe in the Bible. I believe that the Bible is the word of God. I believe that this is, you know, what I should live by. I believe that this is God. And through that, I was able to see a lot of contradictions within the Mormon teachings and all of that. Um, And that kind of led me into church history and just a lot of layers of that, which I finally got to the point where, again, even though everything in my heart wanted to stay in the Mormon faith because it was comfortable, it was stable, I knew that if I walked away, I would get judged, I would be criticized, I would be less trusted. And I and I grew up in Utah. So I mean, I'm surrounded by Mormons. Most of my family is Mormon, I'd say 90%, my friends 90%. And so I knew that it would be really challenging to walk away, especially right after getting divorced when I already had everything ripped from me. But I knew that it was the right thing to do. And I knew that that was the truth and what God needed me to do. And so as hard as it was, um, pretty quickly after my divorce, I I left the church as well. Um, And then that just left me and Jesus. And yeah, that's, that's a little bit of my story. I mean, I guess 
to kind of finish that off to get to the good side of things um that was the most challenging and terrible time of my life when I was so isolated and so alone and and just miserable and I and I, to be frank like I didn't want to be alive um and I didn't think there was any hope after that I didn't think I'd ever find love again I didn't think I'd ever be okay I didn't think I'd ever have joy and God just completely found me in the depths of disaster and just fixed up my heart. And um, since then, you know, it's been, I'm 23 now. So it's been, since I'm, since I've been legally divorced, it's been about two and a half years, but really since I was actually, cause my divorce took about nine months to process and all that. So it was a long while. Um, but you know, it's been about three years post everything, three and a half, and he has just completely transformed my life. And life isn't perfect, and I still struggle. But, um, you know, everything that I felt like was taken away from me, God has blessed me with tenfold. And um, I feel like I'm a completely new person. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I met um, my boyfriend now of two years. And he is ironically a musician as well <laughs> which is funny because I used to tell I used to tell God all the time I said listen I'm never dating another musician I will never be in this situation again and um you know God said funny you know you think you're in control um but <laughs> yeah but yeah I ended up meeting my my boyfriend and he was you know I had really deep fears about him um, I didn't even want to pursue anything with him because I was so anti-men and I had been in therapy that whole time after my divorce I was alone I didn't talk to anyone I didn't date anyone I was like I've got to work on me I've got to heal I've got to be okay and I just wasn't okay um and I needed to heal from my heartbreak as well so I definitely was not seeking a relationship at all by any means and I did not want one and I didn't I didn't even try to pursue anything it it was one of those things that just kind of happened and David, my boyfriend now, his name's David Kushner. If you guys heard his music, he's pretty cool. He slid into my DMs and I almost didn't message him back. But his first message was such a good pickup line. I felt like I had to. This is funny, Katie. You'll love this. <laughs> he said, let's, I can't wait. <laughs> he said, let's get married and take our kids to church. And I was uh... like, oh, <laughs> I was like, okay. He clearly like, is not a playboy. He clearly has good intentions, you know, but I was also very skeptical. So I was like, okay, like, that's a pretty good message. So it's actually funny. I messaged him back before I even looked at his profile. And then after I messaged him back, I looked at his profile and I saw that he had a million followers on TikTok. And I was like, oh, red flag, red flag. I'm out of here. No way. Um, and so I pretty much kind of casted him out before I even gave him a chance. Um, but we ended up continuing to kind of chat a little bit. And then we ended up being in the same place in LA for he was there for music, I was there for work. And he was very persistent and wanted to take me out on a date and hang out with me. And I was very nervous and almost bailed on him like six times, but I ended up doing it. And when I met him, he was the absolute opposite of what I thought he was going to be. He was so humble. And he was so kind, so gentle and genuine. And he's also a believer and loves the Lord. And I remember like that night we first met, we shared our faith with each other. 
And it was like, we always talk about this moment when they say like, oh, love at first sight, which I don't know if I necessarily believe in, but like we were sitting there and I had shared a little bit of my story. He had shared his. And I remember we looked at each other and it like time stopped and it just felt like the spirit was just like there with us. And like, since then, the rest is history. Um, My sweet boyfriend, poor David has had to go through a lot. I have a lot of trust issues. I have a lot of trauma and he's had to be really, really patient with me and understanding. And he has been so, so patient and understanding. And so um, I credit, you know, our relationship success to the Lord, obviously, as well as our therapist. That's amazing. Um, when he first came home to meet my, you know, I was living with my sister and brother-in-law at the time, which is close family to me because my parents aren't super involved. Like on our first date before we started dating, I took him to my therapist and I said, is he good? Is he okay? Is he, is he a nice guy? Um, and she said, you know, she said, yeah, I really like him. And I think he might be the one. And when my therapist said that, I was like, okay, all right, that's a good sign. We're, Yay. we're in the clear. Um, and we've had our ups and downs. Um, we're not perfect and neither of us are perfect Christians either, but, um, we love the Lord. And that's always what it comes down to is he has a relationship with the Lord. I have a relationship with the Lord. And, um, you know, that that's always what has kept us together and kept our relationship you know, good and wholesome. So anyways, that's a long story, but that's my story. I love it. I love every bit of it. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked a few times on this podcast about getting together and sharing a meal with people. There's something just magical that happens about opening your home, opening your table and sharing a meal with those that you love or ones that you want to love or creating a community wherever you are. And I found a company that makes that possible. It is Feastbox. For about $10 a meal, you can have barbecue or Mexican or Italian. There's all kinds of different choices. And the incredible thing about Feastbox, not only are you serving those around your table, with every purchase of Feastbox, you are also donating a meal to a family in need. How cool is that? Also, listeners of the Truth For Your 20s podcast get $40 off their first purchase. So check the link here in the show notes of this episode. Feastbox helps you plan a wonderful meal and creating community right where you are and also bless a family in need. I, I wrote down a few things that I wanted to like revisit because yes. they're just too good. And I know there's girls on the other end of this conversation who are like, oh, I want to hear more about that. So I'm just imagining this 19-year-old who as you said, tried your whole life to, to be good, you know, to do the right thing. And I think from what it sounds like, that was very much behavior modification. You probably heard it said like behavior modification versus heart transformation. And you hadn't really had that heart transformation yet, but, but you're with your own strength doing so with all of your might, it sounds like trying to do the good thing. Um, find yourself married to a, a guy, you know, obviously trying to do the right thing, so to speak as well. I want to hear more about like what happened in that moment. Like as God is breaking you down to build you back up, so to speak, like, you know, they say that some things, things can be broken. They have to be broken to be rebuilt better. And I feel like there was just so much happening in that time internally as you realizing your heart is being transformed versus just quote behaving, you're being transformed. I don't know. I just want, I feel like you can add a lot to that conversation as girls are walking through. Oh, but I've, I've done the quote good thing all my life. Yes, you know, your behavior matters, but what's what God wants more is our heart. Um, so does that make sense? Do you have anything yeah, to say about no. that? No, 
No, that totally makes sense. Um, I think that one of the things that I feel like God really had to do in me, I feel like I was such a people pleaser and I'm still recovering from that. I was very codependent um, and I wanted to do the right things because I wanted to be a good person, but I also cared a lot about what other people thought of me. So in a sense, I feel like a lot of what I did was subconsciously selfish because I wanted to do everything right so I wouldn't be abandoned and so I would be loved and so people would think I was good and so it really was crazy when I started to realize like okay all these things that we think are like good or that we do that are quote on well I'm doing all the right things you know whatever it's like if our heart isn't in the right place if our intention isn't pure it doesn't matter cancel out the good things you know and so it really, it really dawned on me through that when I, when I did have to kind of expose that I was divorced and I was in a very public relationship. So to me, it was very embarrassing and my childhood was embarrassing. I tried to run and run and run away from it. When I finally realized like no one's opinion matters of me other than God's. And if God says I am loved and if God says I am chosen, if God says, you know, I'm good through his sacrifice for me, you know, that's what matters. And, and it's just crazy because I think that we spend our whole lives trying to pretty much please the world, you know, and, and when you really realize like, that's just not fulfilling and it's not sustainable. That's another thing I realized too, is like, you cannot do everything right in your life. You never will be able to, you will never be good enough to be perfect all the time and do all the right things. And so when you start to define or place your value in that, that is dangerous. And so I feel like that's one of the most restoring and beautiful things about Jesus is realizing like, we are so imperfect. We are sinners. We need him. And through him, you know, he strengthens, strengthens us and makes us more Christ-like. But ultimately, like, it's from the goodness of him. It's not from the goodness of us, you know? And I think that that's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people in the world because people are very pagan nowadays. Like everyone wants to be their own God. Everyone wants to say, oh, I credit everything good in my life to myself and I'm good because of me. But that is probably the biggest thing that my divorce did is it humbled me. It humbled the heck out of me where I was like, I have judged people who've gotten divorced. I've judged people who have left the faith and left the church. And now here I am you know, so off, like wayward the path that I thought my life was going to go. And it helped me have grace for myself and for others, but also to just realize that like, that isn't what matters, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's not fulfilling. And like, now, you know, having a heart for the Lord and through that, like, when your heart is in the right place, and you have pure intentions, like, doing the good things for the right reasons is so much more fulfilling. And it brings so much more peace yes yes no that's good that's good no I have like you're just saying so many good things I'm like ooh, and I want to dig a little deeper here and dig a little (laughs) deeper here (laughs) one of the things you also mentioned is like you crave stability all your life which of course makes sense you know the way you grew up and everything and then (laughs) you're I just imagine you're you're already adorable but you're like 19 year old like just you probably had cute little chubby cheeks and you're like trying to do all the right things and you're like okay I'm going to um get married to this you know, good guy, we're going to everything be perfect, perfect, perfect. And then that gets ripped away from you publicly. You know, you mentioned that, but that's a big deal. I'm sure not only painful, just adds to the pain. And then also leaving the church, like double whammy, like slap you from both sides. I want to 
unpack that a little bit. Like, how did you pick up the pieces? What were some steps? Did you get involved in the church? Did you get involved with the community? Like what helped build you back up? Well, that's actually a hard one. It's kind of interesting because looking back now, you know, I think there's different things that I could have done better. Um, but to be completely frank with you, like when that all happened, um, I was very isolated. And I think part of the reason was um, I was really scared of judgment. And um, I was also, I knew how like unwell I was with myself that I felt like I couldn't, I think it was kind of that subconscious need to like be perfect and you can't go to people broken and you can't represent yourself broken. So instead I was like, I'm just going to hide away. Like people can't see me like this. I'm not okay. Um, And it was really hard for me to be in social settings during that time. Like I missed so many family events, so many friend things. I just couldn't go. I just couldn't stand being around people. And like, obviously looking back now, I wish that I would have let people in sooner and I would have used my community. I would have, let my family and my friends in, you know, let a church back me, let people back me. But at the time, to me, it it felt like, you know, I just have to do this alone. And so eventually I did let people back in. And I think, I think something so important is, you know, even if you're not okay, communing, communicating that with family, friends and saying, Hey, do you know what? I'm going through something really hard. I don't feel like myself. I'm not in the best place, but I need your love and support. You know, I need you there for me. I think that's so important. And I, and I actually touched on this on my last podcast episode, but one thing that I did that I wish I didn't do that did eventually help me build myself back up was I robbed myself of the moments of joy that I could have amidst the heartbreak and amidst the destruction. Instead of having those good moments and being like, oh my gosh, I can be happy. I just had a really fun night with friends or I had a really great night with family or, oh, I just, you know, had this really great discussion with God, with this person, instead of letting myself be happy in those moments, I robbed myself of that because I was like, but I just have to be sad right now. I just have to be sad. And I'm Mm -hmm. just in this bad place, you know? And so eventually I was able to get out of that. But to kind of sum that all up, I didn't surround myself with community in family or church wise for, it took me a while to get there because I was also very burned by the Mormon church. I felt like that I was very anti-church in a sense for a while. Like I was very much like, give me the Bible and give me nothing else. Like I don't want anything else. Um, And obviously now, you know, I think community is important. I think that community can also be found outside of a church with other believers, you know, connecting with people. Um, But yeah, to kind of, to kind of say what built me back up Therapy was a really big thing, super important to me. I felt like it helped a ton. Obviously, I believe God is the ultimate healer, but I do think that, you know, he gives us different resources. And if you can find a good Christian therapist, I feel like that really helps. Um, So my therapist helped me a ton. Um, And then the other thing I would say, I know this is like cliche, but I like really spent a lot of time dating myself. Like I started to take all of my time and my energy and focus it on the Lord and on me. So who is Nicole? What does Nicole like? What does Nicole value? Um, You know, what activities bring me joy? What things fill me up? You know, and so I spent a lot of time working on filling my cup back up and doing things that would help me, you know, so spending time reading the word spending time worshiping, going to church, um, you know, surrounding myself with other believers, exercising, eating good foods, doing fun activities, you know, going out on coffee dates by myself. Like I spent a lot of time just with me. 
Um, and I think I needed that because I think I needed to learn how to love myself the way that I loved others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ultimately, I think those were the two biggest things were like therapy, spending time with God, learning about God, reading his word, and also like letting my community in. So family, friends, people, and letting them help me. Um, and then also just diving into passion and purpose. Like I, I don't have it anymore, but I had started a small online boutique at the time and it was really fun for me. And so I think that, yeah, just like jumping into your purpose, spending time with the Lord, spending time dating yourself, spending time doing things for you, and then also surrounding yourself with a community, whether that's through church or, you know, friends and family. And so those were some of the things that I helped like, that I think really helped me get out of that place, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm putting you on the spot so we can cut this out if you want me to, (laughs) but something that I hear a lot through Instagram or or whatever, actually a few girls have booked me through mentoring is something you walk through and that is dating after a divorce or trying to communicate that purity is important to you after a divorce. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, you know, guys, at least the girls I've talked to guys will be like, whatever, you're not a virgin, like whatever, like who cares, you know? Mm -hmm. And it has been really hard to the girls I've talked to trying to date, trying to communicate their values post-divorce. I just want to see if you have any things you can share in your your journey with that. Um, I'd love to. Yeah. It's obviously kind of an interesting dynamic when you come from divorce because you're not a virgin, obviously. Um, so I definitely do think that guys sometimes think like, oh, well, whatever, you know, she's not a virgin anyway, so it doesn't matter. I think that I know this sounds so simple, but I, I think that the biggest thing is finding someone who is equally yoked. Like if you are going after guys who don't love the Lord and aren't chasing after the Lord, like they're not going to have that be a priority to them. And like men are weak, like men are, well, okay. Yeah. No, I feel like men are a lot weaker in that area than women. Um, They don't have the same sexual intelligence. It's like a total thing. Like women, women pay a higher price for sex. So we just are more, we just are like way more cautious because we just biologically, I have a lot to say about that. Anyways, go ahead. no, No, 100%. And so I think that, I think that for me, like, with David, when we first started dating, I knew from the, from the beginning that he was like, loved the Lord and that, and not just like, oh, I love the Lord on social media and like, you know, or whatever. I have a Bible verse nearby. Like, no, like I knew because we had had very many deep conversations about God from the beginning. And so I knew going in, okay, like he loves the Lord. That's a priority to him. And so I think that, yes, it is tricky because I do think that men, again, are weaker in that area and they don't have as much intelligence. Like you said, we give a lot more than they do. They don't understand the emotional side of everything that we obviously have. But I think that is like the most important thing is really like you can't change someone and you can't alter how they think. So if you're if you find someone who that isn't a priority to or at least they want it and they're trying like no one's perfect, but like in a perfect world, you want to find someone who loves the Lord and knows, okay, like, you know, sex is sacred and it should be saved for marriage. I'm going to aim for that. And I'm going to do everything in my power to have that happen. Obviously people aren't perfect. People make mistakes. No guy that I've ever met has a perfect sexual history, whether that be porn or whatever, but you want to find someone who is chasing that purity and who has a repentant heart. That is the most important thing in a man. You're never going to find a perfect 
man, but if you can find someone who, when he does slip up, when he does struggle with lust or whatever it may be, he's able to say, do you know what? I love Jesus. I need to repent. I need to come back to him. And then obviously as a woman trying to, you know, just prioritize that and help him know how much you prioritize your relationship with God and that that's something that matters. Um, And I don't think that that's something bad to talk about. I think that people, girls get so scared of rejection and saying like, hey, like, you know, I'm not going to pursue sexual activities with you, you know, or whatever. But yeah, but guys, like from the get go, you got to just make it clear. And if that guy even hesitates, leave, like he is not worth your time. Like, peace out. Yeah, like Katie says, you're out. Um, Jesus, help me. (laughs) Like, I feel like you just have to, that's a conversation that you need to have from the beginning. And like I said, no one's perfect, but you need to find someone that is chasing purity and that is chasing the Lord and that prioritizes that. Not just you. The girl is not the only one who needs to be doing that because as a female, it is very hard to say no. It is very hard to say no, and it is very scary, um, especially if you have any type of trauma or anything. And so it's like, I feel like kind of from the beginning, if you can kind of set the tone and say, hey, are we good? Do you love the Lord? Are you chasing purity? Am I? Okay, cool. We're on the same page. Um, And then from there, obviously, it takes, you know, spending time with God together. And, you know, if you do struggle, you know, repentance and all these things. But I just feel like you need to tell them from the, from the beginning, Hey, if you expect that, you're not going to get it from me. I'm not doing that. You know, I'm saving myself for marriage. And if, you know, I'm resaving myself, whatever you want to say, if you're divorced or if you're dating someone, but I just feel like making those, those priorities so clear from the beginning is so important. Um, cause it just prevents heartbreak. I mean, if you, if you date someone and you kind of dance around that and you don't say anything and then six months in that, you know, they're trying to pursue that with you and you're like, Oh, and they're like, well, you never told me that you wouldn't, you know, you're like, dang it. You know? Yeah. And so it's like, it's just kind of this thing. You don't want to get emotionally involved with someone until you have those, you know, expectations set. So I just say, just being very transparent at the beginning is so important. Couldn't have said it better myself. That was all very, <laughs> very good. I'm over here like nodding my head. Yes. <laughs> You know, I think the thing that I'm just drawn to you on the internet and stuff, you can just see your genuineness. And I think it's so captivating. And I love that you do have a messy past. Well, I don't love that for you, but you know what I mean? You have a messy past and you're so genuinely seeking the Lord. You're so genuinely, um, here it is. And here's how I'm overcoming it. Here's the steps I'm taking and that kind of stuff. And I I didn't become a Christian until I was 22. And I remember learning, I I would have told you when I was 19, oh yeah, the Bible is a book of perfect people. And if this is how to do like they did. And and I didn't even learn until, you know, I became a Christian. Oh no, this is a bunch of mess ups. And they're encouraging us, not because of their strength, but Jesus who lives in them. And I think that that is what you do so well. Um, Here's my mess and here's Jesus who redeemed it. Um, (laughs) And I'd love to invite you to, come along and figure it out with me. And I think that's the gospel. And I think that that's, that's the missionaries. That's all the people who were sloppy and messy and figured it out and were great and then fell and everything in between. And I just love it. And I love the disciples who figured that out. Everyone who's sloppily, messily, but beautifully figuring out as well. And um, yeah, I think that you are doing that so well. Thank you. Yeah. It's, I always tell yeah. people, I'm like, I'm a mess, but I'm Jesus's mess. So, you know, we're That's figuring right. this out. <laughs> That's right. I cannot wait 
to tell the world about your podcast when this airs. So Elephants in the Room, it's called, right? Yeah. So I'm super excited. The name is like, it's kind of that whole thing that you said is like, I spent so much of my life running from who I was and running from my circumstances. And that was one thing that the Lord did in my heart when I got divorced was he helped me. He, instead of making vulnerability such a weakness for me, I feel like he made it my strength. And I, I was able to mm. finally not care as much about what people thought of me and care about, you know, making disciples and sharing my story and helping others. Um, Cause that was one thing when I was going through everything that I went through, I didn't have someone that I felt like was honest about that. Like I felt so isolated because there wasn't anyone that I knew that had a similar story or was open about it. And so I think that that's a purpose in my life is like just helping people see like, Hey, like doesn't matter where you came from, what you've been through, what you've done. Jesus is good. Jesus for everyone. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And like, we're all works in progress. Like it takes time. Like I said, I am not a perfect Christian, but I do love the Lord and I do surrender to him every day. And I want to, you know, serve him and love him. And only because the gift that he's given me, I mean, Jesus is so good. Like God is so good guys, despite what you've been through, God is good. You have to remember that. And so, yeah, so the, to wrap it up, elephants in the room is my podcast name is kind of like, what are the things that no one talks about? What's the elephant in the room? Let's talk about them. I love it. It's adorable. And you have a gift of talking about that kind of stuff with Grace. I can't wait to tell everyone about it. I hope that you get a ton of downloads. Thank you. Yeah, Katie, you're amazing. Thank you so much for having me on. I, um, I'm i seriously so honored. And what Katie does, guys, is so special. And it's so important. And it's advice that we really need as young women. Like, it is hard dating. It is hard figuring it out. And being a Christian amidst all of that with like the world and with how men are and with how the standards are. And I mean, even how women are like, it is just really tricky. And so um, I'm so honored to be on here. And I'm so grateful. And yeah. Oh, you're the best. We're going to put all your links on the show notes. So make sure you give her a follow. Tell her she's cute and to keep making TikToks because you're killing it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me on. Like I said, you're amazing. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you do, I would love it if you share it on your social. Take a screenshot and give me a tag at Katie Bulmer Life and I will definitely respond and thank you for what you do. And if you're new to the podcast, make sure you scroll back. There are over 100 episodes interviewing experts and 20-somethings and everyone in between unpacking all the truths for your 20s. Thanks for being here, you guys.